Karen is the proven expert in addiction treatment. A recent independent study showed that 94% of Karen patients were still in recovery 90 days post-treatment. Visit CARON.org slash real. Karen, real results, real care, real about recovery. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Addicts podcast, part of the Fantrax family. My name is Mung, and of course, you can find me on Twitter at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. Good morning, good evening, addicts. It's Los at FFA underscore Los. Welcome back to another week of the podcast. Week four preview, waiver wire show. Boy, a lot of exciting football this week. Um, some injuries, some wins, some losses. Fun week, Mung. Yeah, a lot of running backs that people were leaving for dead are suddenly back and very much alive again. We saw some premier Saquon Barkley. We saw some signs of life from CEH. And so far tonight, as we're recording, we're watching the Monday night game, and Zeke looks uh, revitalized here. Hey, don't take too many victory laps too early, Mung. (laughs) No, not victory laps. Just, you know, guys that we're struggling the first couple weeks uh, are finally bouncing back. So it's good news for those fantasy GMs who have them. It's right about that time of the, uh, of that, uh, the season for them to start to thrive, right? Indeed. And uh, speaking of thrive, we'd like to talk to you guys about thrive fantasy, which offers DFS style contests on player props. It's super easy. You pick 10 out of 20 player props for the week, with each one getting assigned a fantasy point value for the over and the under, based on how likely the outcome is. The more you get right, the bigger the payout. Thrive Fantasy has over $100,000 in weekly prizes, including their Sunday contest, where first place wins 20 grand. Sign up now with our promo code FFA, and you'll receive an instant 100% deposit match of up to $100 for your first deposit, minimum $10. Check it out today on the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store, or you can play at thrivefantasy.com. That's T-H-R-I-V-E fantasy.com. We do love to spell stuff here at the Fantasy Football Addicts. That will take us into our uh, our first game. Um, certainly not starting off with the most interesting game of the week, but I think this might be my pick for a survival pool. Uh, ter- Thursday night football, Jacksonville at Cincinnati. Um Let's see. Cincinnati or the Jacksonville was almost gifted the game versus Arizona, but uh, managed a way to let Arizona take it back from him. Uh, Robinson's running back to Hyde is not stealing as much from him as we had feared from that uh, just week one. And Marvin Jones and DJ Chark are boom bust flex plays. Yeah, I think a little less bust in terms of Marvin Jones continues to lead the team in targets pretty much every week. Uh, I think he's a pretty safe floor flex play in PPR at this point with some upside as well. Um, The other thing I want to talk about was keep an eye on Dan Arnold, who Jacksonville just traded for as part of that C.J. Henderson deal. Um, You know, with James O'Shaughnessy on IR with that high ankle sprain, Arnold might need a couple of weeks to get up to speed, but he could be that dump off uh, and see some PPR volume eventually and be a potential viable tight end option. So if you're in deeper leagues and you, you need some help at tight end, take a look at Dan Arnold. I like the analysis, but my experience watching Dan Arnold is that he's he might take more value away from Jones as the season progresses than he does on the underneath side. Something about him as tight end. They just like to throw him running out there deep and have him jump up and get it deep. Don't you think? 
I'm really not too worried about Marvin Jones at this point. I think he's clearly the number one option that Trevor Lawrence looks for a lot. Uh, so sure. I, I, I would I would be fine with him in my wide receiver three or flex spot pretty much for the rest of the season at this point. Okay. All right. Not as confident as you, but for the next two, three weeks, I, I'm certainly there. On the Cincinnati side of things, three weeks into the season, and uh, for all the doubters, Jamar Chase has four big-time touchdowns. Well, three big-time touchdowns, one medium-time touchdown. He is very, very good as an understatement. And Joe Mixon's a running back, too, with upside, though I'd like to see him get more pass game each uh, each week. Um, although, I guess, if Jamar Chase is scoring uh, those deep bomb touchdowns, that's not going to leave much for Joe Mixon in the pass game. Um, but if if Higgins is out, I'd like to see a little more go to Mixon's way. Boyd is startable for as long as Higgins is out, and he's probably flex-worthy even if Higgins returns for this week. Yeah, I, I love me some Mixon this week against that Jacksonville run defense. We saw James Conner punch in two short touchdowns against them. We could definitely see something similar from Mixon. And, you know, like you said with Higgins, it is a short week with them playing on Thursday. So certainly love Chase. I've got him as a back-end wide receiver one for this game if Higgins is out. Uh, and with an Ooh. upgrade for Boyd as well into that wide receiver two territory against this awful, awful Jacksonville defense who uh, luckily scored a, a field goal attempt return touchdown. If you started Jacksonville in some DFS lineups, which I, I ended up doing this past week. That threw off that entire game right there, but you know, suffice it to say, the uh, the door is slammed shut on buying low on Jamar Chase. So I'm going to take Cincinnati this game uh, pretty easily. Yeah, you know, I agree as well. Uh, that said, with it being a Thursday game and just weird things happening on Thursday night, I would shy away from this being your survivor pick as you kind of led into it. But uh, yeah, give me the Bengals. Well, too late. It's mine. All right. <laughs> kicking off Sunday, noon, 1 p.m. Eastern games, Washington at Atlanta. Taylor, uh, we saw that much less work for J.D. McKissick this week as we sort of not necessarily expected, but probably hoped for uh, Atlanta's defense gives us absolutely nothing to worry about here. So start your regular three Gibson McLaren and Logan Thomas and Heineke is a fine uh, running back to or uh, quarterback two or super flex quarterback. Yeah, I actually have him or will have him in my top 12 quarterbacks for this week against Atlanta. There you um, go. He just, he looks like he belongs in the NFL. Uh, it's worth noting that nearly half of his production this past Sunday did come from a screen pass to Antonio Gibson, who, <laughs> really just took it to the house 75 yards uh, so Heineke didn't really have to do a whole lot but still he avoided enough pressure to get the ball to Gibson and overall he did pretty well just avoiding too many turnovers against the very tough Bills defense at home um, and speaking of McKissick he's gonna be in that Naeem Hines category wouldn't you say where right. he's gonna have some blow-up games but it's gonna be tough to predict when they come because you would think with them trailing the whole game this would have been a JD McKissick type week well, after we saw him explode, you know, the, uh, last week and, and be such a stud for the team, um, we were certainly expecting more work. But you know, I'm happy to see them lean more uh, in the Gibson way. But I'd like also them to throw Gibson the ball more than once. For sure. I mean, especially seeing what he did with that one screen pass. But it is kind of curious because we thought Naeem Hines would have a nice week too, but J.D. McKissick did instead. And then, you know, Hines kind of <laughs> blew up again week three. Have we seen these two guys on the field at the same time? You mean Gibson? Oh wait, you're to oh I see what you're saying. Yeah, no, I think that I think he's uh it's one one guy switching jerseys and flying across town, huh? Just uh, collecting two game checks, you know, that's why they disappear in alternate <laughs> weeks. 
That is a really, really good point. On the Atlanta side of the football, uh, neither of the running backs are exciting, but just to review them, uh, Davis had the slight edge in carries. Patterson had the slight edge in pass game work. I still lean Patterson in a pinch, especially in a PPR. Uh, Kelvin Ridley's the only reliable option. Certainly wasn't uh, giving you what you wanted this week, but he will uh, from from weeks forward. If you spent up for pits, you're probably ne- never going to draft a uh, rookie tight end again. This is This is where you learn your lesson. Yeah, I mean, he was in that same range as Hawkinson and uh, what was it, Mark Andrews that we talked about preseason. Yep. He was going around ahead of them, and you know, our whole, yeah. our our take on it was that yeah, he, the upside is definitely there, and the usage has been there for Pitts. So I do think better days are ahead, but still, just uh, his price was so so expensive for what he's returned so far. Um, I, I do think that you know we talked about this last week with the running back splits where Cordero Patterson is getting that red zone work and the receiving work, which is kind of what you want. So we prefer him in PPR leagues, but I, I I'm seeing some victory lapping over Mike Davis being bad and not worth his ADP, but he's been a steady producer, double digit fantasy points, uh, three straight weeks in a row. So for where you drafted him in that fifth, sixth round range, I mean, you, you could have been doing a lot worse at running back. He's been an okay option in PPR formats. Certainly agree there. Uh, I am going to uh, take the road team, Washington to uh, beat Atlanta this week. Yeah, it's just simple math, right? Washington beat the Giants, Atlanta beat the Giants, but Washington over Atlanta? <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. You've and, got it. Unfortunately, Houston, the NFL is never that simple, but I do take Washington here also. <laughs> <laughs> the Texans at the Bills. Um, keep uh, No change here for Houston. It's Brandon Cooks only, who added another 11 targets with Davis Mills. Yeah, I mean, just, uh, I don't know what to say. Just keep starting Brandon Cooks. Uh, If you're desperate, maybe Anthony Miller, a wide receiver five as that slot option while Amendola's out, or Aikens if you just need a warm body and a tight end. But, yeah, it's really just Brandon Cooks. Nobody's that desperate. For Buffalo, you uh, cannot count on an offensive explosion like we just saw every week. So I'm still not buying in on Dawson Knox or either of the running backs. Um, they're going to keep shuffling around uh, their workloads back there, back there but I, I don't want either of them. Allen Diggs and then 11 targets for Cole Beasley are good to go. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders is making uh, making it work for you, too. He's not a bad flex play uh, with his health back and an offense that just doesn't seem to stop throwing the football. Yeah, I I've talked about Cole Beasley. I think every week on this show this season. You sure and, have. Uh, I'm leading back to the preseason. I think his preseason ADP was wide receiver like 65 or something ludicrous like that. And look, the touchdowns haven't been there, and he's not exactly blowing it up. But he's a solid wide receiver three with upside and available in like about 50 percent of leagues. So he's gonna again lead our waiver wire section at the wide receiver position. Uh, Manuel Sanders will be there too. I do think he's a little bit boom or bust. I'm going to need those touchdowns to come his way to pay off. But so more of a wide receiver four for me. I prefer Beasley rest of season. Would you agree with that? Yes. Okay. And then uh, I don't think it needs to be said, but don't don't worry too much about Stefan Diggs. He'll, they're they're coming. The good (laughs) games are coming for him. Yes. Don't, don't worry whatsoever. Um, On that note, I will take the Buffalo Bills. Yes. I think this would be a, one of the survival picks if you need it uh, this week where I'm very, very confident. Pretty much anyone against uh, the Texans and the Jets is is what you're looking for. Oh, yeah, totally. Totally agree there. 
All right, Detroit at your my Chicago Bears. Uh, don't get cute and try to play wide receiver roulette with Khalif Raymond here. Play TJ Hawkinson and Swift and consider Jamal Williams in the flex. Though I, th I think I'd avoid him this week against Chicago. I, I don't have much else to say about the Lions. It's really the running backs and Hawkinson. And maybe Cephas would be my pick. But uh, again, hopefully you're not relying on these guys. Tyrell Williams might be back as well. Right. And I want to reiterate from last week, Chicago fans, give Justin Fields time. Cleveland's defense is great. He certainly should have done better than what he did, but, you know, just put it in, forget about it, put it in the past and move forward. How do you combat eight sacks? Miles Garrett, there's no way to do it. Detroit's defense is nowhere near as good, so I'm not worried about Robinson or Montgomery here. Maybe I should be, but I'm not. No, I, I mean, the good news, the silver lining for Montgomery is that he was a workhorse in week three, uh, got that passing game usage that we didn't see in week two, but he did get uh, receiving usage over Damian Williams, which is good for him. I do like him as that back-end RB2 again this week. As you said, against a Detroit defense that is slightly less scary than Miles Garrett and the Browns. Yeah. Um, but if you're streaming, I, I don't think you want to risk it with Fields, even against Detroit. All right, we saw Fields have a hand problem. We saw him running for his life and being limited to like 10 rushing yards for one of the best rushing quarterbacks should be in the league. Um, give me Chicago and Justin Fields' true breakout at home. Yeah, I, this one could go either way, but I just, I have no faith in Nagy. And after seeing, you know, Detroit hang in there with Baltimore, I, I'm going to take the Lions even on the road. All right. Fair enough. I don't like it, but fair enough. Carolina at the Dallas Cowboys. We know Christian McCaffrey is going to miss this week, and the next man up is Chuba Hubbard. He is near the top of the free agents ad this week, obviously, after he saw five targets in his first solid amount of game work. Uh, Robbie Anderson did not benefit whatsoever from the loss of McCaffrey, totaling just two targets on the game. Um, keep an eye on Terrace Marshall, but honestly, I'm not sure exactly what to expect between those two wide receivers here. This is clearly going to be a new game plan with a full week of practice without McCaffrey. So don't be shocked if the targets shift somewhat or if we see something closer to a last year game plan with more work in of Robbie Anderson. But you know, it, it's just hard to say. McCaffrey is such a big part of that plan. Yeah, and they made it a point of emphasis to talk about Robbie Anderson after the game. So I, I do think he's going to be worked uh, into the game plan a little bit more here. Uh, just two targets on Thursday night, but that's certainly going to change. Uh, as for Hubbard, I, I do think that if you're, you know, if you're zero and three or one and two, a rough start to the season, then you you do need to big, excuse me, bid big on him as a decent fill in RB two. Uh, if you need wins now, now that said, if if you're comfortably sitting at two and one or you have good running back options, then you know it sounds like McCaffrey isn't going to be out for all that long. It's good news that Carolina did not put him on the IR list. Um, so hopefully just a couple of weeks here before McCaffrey is back. So really, you know, when you bid on or use a waiver or priority on Hubbard, uh, you know, understand where you are in the standings as a kind of a gauge of how how aggressively you're going out for him. Right. All right. Not to put you on the spot, but what if you're two and one and you have Christian McCaffrey? Shallow benches. Yeah, I mean. You don't uh, you don't take Fab with you right into the next life or into next season. So it, it, I think it's fine. That's, I, that's I just true. wouldn't. I'm saying if if you are okay, I would not go crazy for Hubbard.
Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I agree with you there. On the Dallas side of the football, uh, Carolina's defense has definitely improved from the last couple of years, but not enough to scare me off of Dak or Cooper or Lamb or Ezekiel Elliott, although we, we've got to see what the split is between Zeke and Pollard this game, but, you know, not setting Zeke either way. It's been very much Zeke so far, especially in the red zone, so not worried. Like we said, maybe Pollard cuts in and Zeke's more of a back-end RB1 this season than the top five guy we saw last year. But, uh, you know, not too worried about him. And going back real quick on Hubbard, I would say, um, just to clarify, I would say maybe like a 25, 30% fab bid. Is, okay. is that in line with yeah. what you're thinking? Yeah, that, that's about where I was at. I, I tend to go a little less, but you're right. You're going to have to go there to get the job done. Right. If you want to actually actually roster him, I think 30 to 35% is, is probably what you're going to have to do. I mean, if you were smart, you picked up uh, Madison last week and, uh, you know. You saw that one, yep. Yeah, I mean, anytime it's a quote-unquote mild high ankle sprain, it, that's still a, a very much of a red flag. You're absolutely right. All right, um, I'm going to take Dallas in this game, but I would not be shocked if Carolina comes through. Uh, they've been They've been pretty good so far this year. Granted, we're only, you know, three weeks in, but uh, give me Dallas. Yeah, I'm leaning Dallas here mostly just because of the injuries with McCaffrey out and then J.C. Horn out as well. I know they just trade for C.J. Sure. Anderson, but it, it's going to take them a little bit to get up to speed with, you know, coverages and stuff. So, and then plus, you know, at home, uh, everything just leans towards Dallas. But you're right. I wouldn't be shocked if Carolina somehow took this. All right. Indianapolis Colts at the Miami Dolphins. I, I'm hoping that Jonathan Taylor is not going to make starting slow each season into an annual thing it's scary, but he's probably fine. You're not, you certainly don't have 24 better, you know, backs in your league than, than you're going to play over him. Um, but I, I'd like to see more happen. He, he's going to miss Quentin Nelson. If he's going to be out at all, uh, Hines had a rushing touchdown as well as five catches and 75 combined yards. So yeah, it's frustrating. Like you said, uh, JD McKissick was, was, uh, suited up for the Colts today. Um, Pittman saw 12 targets, so he's being looked at heavily. Wentz only saw four targets uh, or only sent four targets towards the tight ends altogether. So, so it's really just Taylor Pittman and Hines if you're needed, if needed and you're feeling lucky in that flex. Yeah. And uh, look, Pitt, Taylor, I, I would not panic and sell low on him, um, but they do have a rough couple of games coming up. Right. So I, I think, yeah. again, this is something where if you're 0-3 and you really need that win, uh, how much do you trust Taylor at Miami and Baltimore over the next couple weeks? Um, it, it's just tough. And I, again, it depends on what you can get for him in your league. But if you can get uh, another solid wide receiver option and a running back option for him as a buy low from a team that's 3-0 and or 2-1 and and can afford to wait it out with Taylor, I would definitely consider that. Again, this is a weekly game and you know, if you fall behind too much, it, it's a tough, tough road to climb to the to making the playoffs. So, you know, I, I mean, look, David Montgomery, I would probably start over Jonathan Taylor this week against Detroit. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think I would do that. I, I, I would do that, but I wouldn't panic. I know, you know, we're three weeks in. If you're 0-3, just, just don't panic. I, you know, we see every year people go 0-5, come back, at the very least make the playoffs and, and oftentimes winning a championship with, with some shrewd moves later on, you know, it's, it's easy to get unlucky in a few, a few weeks in a row. And this year we do have an extra regular season game. So just keep that in mind. Sure. And obviously I'm not saying, you know, sell Taylor for like 
Kenneth Gainwell or something, but uh, I'm right. just saying consider your options if you need a win these next couple of weeks. Yep, absolutely. All right, for Miami, uh, Jalen Waddle's getting hyper-targeted, so there is flex upside with him. Other than that, Gaskin's a running back, too. Uh, despite the whole extra quarter of play, Jacoby Brissett could not provide big numbers for many of the options. Um, one thing of note with Jalen Waddle is just be aware that Will Fuller is, is going to be getting more time in the offense now, so that could siphon a few uh, of Jalen Waddle's looks away. So I guess that's a long way of saying that I'm not super excited for just about anybody on Miami. I, you know, I actually like Waddle and Gesicki quite a bit with Brissett, who we've okay. seen, you know, be just, he remains a checkdown king, right? He's been that in his other stops along the road. Yeah. Um, we saw Gesicki, he barely got any targets in the first couple of weeks. And then, you know, with Brissett in there, getting the ball out quickly behind that awful offensive line, Gesicki got almost a 25% target share. Um, Waddle got, I mean, he had, he did nothing in terms of yardage, but he got the volume and that's going to keep him consistent in PPR formats. Uh, I do think that Fuller will take away some of those targets, but you know, he is getting those, uh, lower percentage plays downfield. So I, I do think right now it's Waddle over Fuller. Do you, do you agree with that? Yeah, this week, no question about it. But you know, Tua will be back before long, and we'll just see. Have to see how this offense morphs. Yeah, I just you know I had Waddle ranked over Fuller in my preseason rankings, and I would still prefer Waddle rest of the season if if I'm totally straight up totally. So, but yeah, certainly. Yep, totally. Um, if Gesicki was dropped after an awful start to the year, and you need tight end help, he's out there. Um, but yeah. All right, this is a tough game for me to pick, but I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and lean on the home team. Um, Carson Wentz really has not looked great. This offense is struggling for Indianapolis, and I know Miami certainly didn't look phenomenal against uh, the Raiders or anything, but uh, I am going to take Miami. Yeah, just, you know, Quentin Nelson out there, their left tackle, uh, whoever they're rotating in there is is not playing well either. And really, we're seeing Carson Wentz continue to make poor decisions when he's under pressure, and I don't know that that's going to change a ton. Uh, yeah, I'd lean the home team Dolphins here as well. All right, Cleveland at Minnesota. I have to say this is about what was expected. You know, leaning into the two running backs was smart, and we saw early and often peppering of Odell Beckham. Um, I wouldn't say we expected necessarily Kareem Hunt to have such a bigger day than Nick Chubb, but but that can happen. I mean, these are two very, very talented running backs. Chubb is the lead back there, but if Hunt finds a hole and finds opportunities, they may they may give him the ball a few more times each game. Um, certainly scary for Chubb owners, but not terrifying in my opinion. Um, Beckham's a back end running uh, wide receiver too, with that talented upside here in Minnesota. And uh, for now, I think Hunt looks like a solid flex play. There's not really anything else going on for this offense. Um, he had a tremendous week in Chicago. Yeah, I mean, for real. I mean, that offense didn't have to do a whole lot, to be fair. But uh, yeah, yeah. You know, if you're worried about Nick Chubb, we we knew what he was. He's not going to catch a ton of passes, and uh, he's going to be somewhat touchdown reliant. But there's going to be plenty of touchdown opportunities in that offense behind that offensive line. So no worries about Chubb. 
All right, Alexander Madison, his name is Alexander Madison, dominated touches with 26 carries and eight targets, showing workhorse ability that they have not used him for in the previous years. So he is a must-own handcuff rest of the season, in my opinion. Um, Cook may be back soon, but Cook gets nagging injuries. This is a guy that you want on your bench, not in the free agency pool for somebody else to grab. Uh, this is a tough defensive matchup, so I don't want to start Kirk Cousins here, but Thielen and Jefferson are going to be absolutely fine to play. Uh, Conklin saw great usage, but for now is uh, just as good as the other tight end two plays here. I don't necessarily see a reason to target him in this game. Probably needs a touchdown. Not certain to see over three targets this week. Uh, keep in mind that he had all this production while Osborne had only two targets this game. So so they may we may see a little bit of a flip-flop on the uh, inside reception route between those two guys. Yeah, and I'm actually not too worried about Cousins here. He's been playing well even when he's been under pressure, getting the ball out quickly against the Blitz. Uh, I know Cleveland just made uh, Justin Fields look like they were, you know, toying with him, but uh, I do think Cousins is more experienced. He's going to be at home, and he does have a lot of weapons around him that he can quickly get the ball out to. So he's mostly rostered at this point, which is why he's not on our waiver list, but I I'd be fine starting him as a high-end QB2, even against the Browns. He's been, I think, the QB six the past two weeks, so uh, not 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 a bad option. But there you go. Um, this is a tough one. Uh, I think I'm going to let the recency bias of seeing Minnesota handle Seattle will make me lean towards the home team Minnesota here. But uh, this is going to be a good game to watch. Yeah, I could see Minnesota winning or losing this game by one point. But uh, yeah. as they're at home, I, I will lean the Vikings here. They did they did look like they turned a corner uh, against the Seahawks and just were, were mo more consistent on both sides of the ball overall. Yeah, if Minnesota gets going quickly um, this week, like they did, like they did last with uh, with some you know three touchdowns early in the game, I don't think Cleveland can play that sort of catch up. Yeah, they're not built for that, but we maybe we do see uh, Mayfield uh, throw a multi-touchdown game here for the first time this year. I do like him uh, in this matchup as well. Yeah, certainly not a bad shot either. All right, the Giants at the Saints. The Giants, uh, well, Saquon finally played paid dividends for you this week. He's going to be good to go despite the tough New Orleans matchup. And uh, with his return as well as Ingram, we saw Shepard both um, – take an injury and take a step back. Uh, this team has plenty of talented options, a better skill core than many teams, but they're going to eat into each other completely until one of them decides to dominate. And I don't know if that guy's going to be Kenny Galladay at the end of the day. With all the injuries, though, Galladay is a wide receiver three. Um, Engram's going to see probably four to five plus targets just because he's going to be on the field as their tight end. Um, this is a tough offense, but th there is there is value to be had in places if if you've got the stomach for it yeah and you know i think it was good news uh even 10 days ago right after that loss to washington uh i tweeted that you know we needed to stay the course with saquon barkley we saw that after he bar he didn't even play half the snaps in week one uh, his snaps rose to 84 percent week two and now 86 percent this past week against atlanta and particularly with Shepard and Slayton both leading with hamstring injuries, Barkley saw 22 touches, a ton of targets in the passing game. He's back to that must-start RB1 territory now, even, even in this tough matchup on the road at New Orleans. For New Orleans, uh, they, they won a very, very messy game with just 250 total offensive yards on the day. 
start Camara, and we move onward. Yeah, it's rough out there. I mean, Troutman's droppable. Um, uh, the best option is probably still Callaway, but certainly no more than a wide receiver four. Um, yeah, I don't have. Yeah, that, to that say. touchdown shouldn't have happened. <laughs> I don't care. That touchdown should not have happened. No reasonable quarterback should have thrown that ball. Yeah, I don't know. Did you see the quote uh, after the game about Jameis Winston? I did not. What was it? Um, so they were talking. It was uh, him and Sean Payton um, after that uh, touchdown. And Winston said it was, quote, all God on the touchdown pass to Callaway. Uh, he was trying to throw it away and did not know that it was a free play. <laughs> and Payton, Payton, oh, no. Payton replied, if you're throwing it away, make sure you throw it away. And then Winston said, yeah. it's God's plan, too. <laughs> so, Oh, um, my goodness. Certainly, well, yeah. Uh, not, not they are, they are the Saints, I guess. Well, I mean, eating those Ws, I guess, uh, all yes. the same. But, yeah. uh, you know, I, I tweeted earlier today, I'm, I'm selling Winston in any Dynasty format. I don't have him on any of my rosters, but if I did, I would be <sighs> selling. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, we saw a healthy dose of Taysom Hill later in the game, didn't we? <laughs> Yeah, I, I think uh, I think we've answered the question as to whether the issue was uh, him making reads or the LASIK and, and fixing the eyesight, and I think we have the answer to that after this week. You know, despite all that, I'm taking New Orleans. I mean, it's just easy to bet against the New York teams, man. Bet against right. the Giants and the Jets, and yeah, I, I do I do trust more so the Saints' defense uh, shutting down, you know, Daniel right. Jones and an offense that's losing two of their starting wide receivers potentially exactly and speaking of uh, betting against uh, new, uh, new york now we've got tennessee at the jets aj brown left this game early and julia was limited seemingly as a coaching decision actually for blocking reasons um but tennessee did not panic here they held strong behind 140 yards from derrick henry who saw three pass targets that's all i'm asking for folks it's just three 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 is good enough uh Tannehill was great if you had faith in him don't shy away from him this week yeah, certainly not. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about him on the waiver wire section, but Anthony Ferkshire's been out with his knee injury, and he did not do much in week one. But, you know, if you're desperate in deeper leagues, if there's just nobody out there at tight end, maybe worth a shot, maybe we'll get a few more snaps with A.J. Brown, uh, questionable slash doubtful for this week after he was already in street clothes, you know, right after he injured that hamstring. Yeah. Better days are ahead for the Jets offense. I just don't think they're coming this year. Uh, Corey Davis saw a team lead in targets with 10 and is a fine play here in the flex, but uh, he's not exciting, but he's available. Yeah, definitely fine in a game that I expect the Jets to trail. And then Tennessee really hasn't done much on defense. Uh, you know, they held strong against Wentz and the Colts, but overall they're, they're not scary. Um, I listed... Zach Wilson is our very last streaming quarterback play of the week. Uh, if you really are desperate, look, he's been awful, but it's been against Denver and good defenses, and Tennessee That's is true. not that. Week one was certainly not terrible. Yeah, I think it's a little concerning that he might be without more with the concussion and Crowder with the groin injury, but, I mean, I think Corey Davis is going to be actually a pretty good play here. Should get a lot of garbage time volume. I like him quite a bit here. Yep. All right. I will take Tennessee. Yep. Give me Tennessee here. 
Kansas City at Philadelphia. Uh, the Chiefs lost a stunner at home, but nothing really changes for me personally. Mahomes, Kelsey, and Hill are elite. Edwards Hilaire is clearly uh, clearly heard your complaints. Uh, is 100 yards and a receiving touchdown enough for you people? He's, he's fine. Don't worry. Well, I, I was going to be really, really worried if CH didn't show up and do anything against that weak Chargers run defense. Uh, and luckily, you know, the Chiefs had the right game plan running him quite a bit. He came through even with that fumble, as you said, a uh, hundred yard game here. Uh, but more importantly, he just continued to see the majority of the work. He did not get benched. He didn't get, uh, you know, Andy Reid is not Bruce Arians. Uh, Edwards Alaire continued to see touches after that. Uh, but more importantly, two in inside the 10 and, you know, work in the red zone with that screen pass on that touchdown. So I, I don't think, you know, CH is going to have that elite upside that we wanted from him preseason, potential workhorse role in this offense. But at the very least, we don't have to panic anymore. I do think he's a startable RB2 option. I would expect about, you know, 65% of the snaps, 15 to 20 touches per game, uh, but just hopefully more involved in the passing game and in the red zone uh, than we saw in the first couple weeks. Uh, and then worth noting here, you know, Josh Gordon reinstated signing with the Chiefs. We've seen the song and dance before outside of super, super deep leagues. Uh, you know, keep him on the waiver wire. There's no reason to burn a bench spot on Josh Gordon here. You've got it. For Philadelphia, of course, we have to make sure everyone stays healthy tonight, but barring much change, it's it's Hertz as a quarterback one, Sanders and Devontae Smith um, locked into your lineups. Ertz is uh, expected back, but perhaps his absence in practice will lead to more chemistry buildup between Goddard and Hertz tonight, hopefully. Right, and just the only other thing, we've seen that Kenneth Gainwell has been the clear number two running back over the first couple of games. Um, we talked about him on the waiver wire show last week. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about him on the waiver wire section again later, but uh, unless anything changes, he's still a, a PPR flex play with that upside if anything were to happen to Sanders. Give me the Chiefs. You know, the, the, the sports media will do anything they can to force a story. You know, bottom of the division, the Chiefs, are they fakers? Are they done? We're three weeks in. They've lost two games. We didn't think they were going to go, you know, 15 and two anyways okay come on yeah and you know it's important to note too they were missing frank clark and then chris jones was limited coming into the game so their defense was already struggling prior to that and they just weren't able to get near justin herbert really for most of the game um yeah I, i'm taking the chiefs here too but it is worth noting that their defense is quite thin if they lose any of their playmakers all right, that'll take us into the Sunday mid-afternoon games. Arizona at the L.A. Rams. DeAndre Hopkins had a tough week, probably slowed down a bit by those ribs, and he will be uh, limited by Ramsey and company this week. But you certainly can't sit him with the upside he has. Um, I'm not sure what more Christian Kirk has to do to get any respect anywhere, but he needs to be rostered, certainly above Rondale Moore, who who I just don't see it in. I know you're going to completely disagree with me, Mung, but I I. I don't get it. I don't, I don't buy the hype. Yes. He's a rookie. Great. We did see a lot more out of James Conner, but uh, not quite in the way that we thought we were going to with the, uh, with the screwy start to that Jacksonville game. Um, it's clear the game plan uh, and, and the practice week did gear him up to be utilized a bit more. That said, I would not play him in Los Angeles. Uh, this team's going to be opting more for Chase Edmonds past game this week, who did have eight targets uh, in this, in this game itself. 
Well, no, I, I think you got me pegged wrong, Los. I, I don't disagree at all. Uh, I talked about Rondale Moore in the waiver wire section last week as clearly the top ad of the week. But to note, you know, don't blow all your fab because he still only played 46% of the snaps last week. Um, and again, under 50% of the snaps against the Jaguars. So I, I do agree that right now Kirk is the slot guy and, and he's seeing more snaps and he should be played over more. Uh, but that doesn't negate the fact that Moore is an explosive playmaker. He's just going to be more of that boom bust wide receiver four. Whereas I, you know, I see this kind of like, um, like Beasley and Sanders on the bills it, it, to make that. Clear okay. Right. Okay. You know who else was an explosive playmaker? Hmm. Garrett Wolf. <laughs> yeah and so was aj green this week so you know <laughs> i guess that's a little more timely sure uh the la rams if you had any questions left about matthew stafford you please consider them answered now he's a weekly quarterback one cooper cup is elite in this offense currently and woods has been very sluggish um I'm confident his time is going to come, but I I am much less convinced that this is a one A one B situation, and and this is this is more so a Cooper Cup planning offense. Um, feel free to consider other options if you have other options that can be better than Woods as your as your wide receiver too. Until he shows something, uh, Tyler Higby had a nice game, but is just you know a back end tight end one option. Uh, Sony Michelle showed a big workload in Henderson's absence, twenty carries and four targets, so he's a startable option in this offense as a back end running back too. Uh, high end running back three type um, until Henderson comes back. Yeah, it's, you know, as you said, it, it does seem to be less of that 1A, 1B uh, type of situation when Goff was in at quarterback. Clearly, Stafford has a connection with Cup here. Uh, are you trying to buy low on Robert Woods? Oh. Whew. I guess it depends how low. Um... Yeah, and look, Gee. he still played 88% of the snaps against Tampa Bay, 98% in week two. So the opportunities are technically there, just lower target volume overall. We're seeing Van Jefferson and even Deshaun Jackson, someone involved. So a question for you, right? Let, let's say yeah. someone's offering you Julio Jones for Robert, or would you offer Julio Jones for Robert Woods? No, but I, I wouldn't have done that preseason either. Okay, what about, um, what about Deontay Johnson? Yes, I would. I would rather have Deontay. Yep. Okay. No, I'm saying if you're trying to buy Woods, are you willing to offer these guys up? Just to be clear. Oh no. Okay. No, I am not. All right. Um, Cortland Sutton. You know, <laughs> you're trying to get some inside info on me, trying to scout me out, huh? <laughs> no, I'm, um, I'm just wondering. You know, this is this is the exact. I, I'm having this exact dilemma that I've had uh, this past week and this coming week. Do I play Cortland Sutton or do I play Robert Woods? Um, I think this week I'm leaning Sutton. But I'm saying yeah. the rest of the season, right? We know Judy will be back in right. a few weeks, but rest of the season, would you rather have Sutton still? <sighs> Give me one more week of woods or of, of woods. Give me one more week. Okay. So you're not making that deal. Uh, what about my guy, Cole Beasley? Oh, that is a really, really good question. No, I'm going to stick with woods there. Okay. All right. But I and mean, that it's... may be, that may be stupid. I think that's based in preconceived notions. I think that's a really good question. I think you, you've got Beasley pegged man, like criminally undervalued preseason and right now 
Um, it's just hard to once once you have your mind made up about a player, it's very you, you got to check yourself. It's very hard to uh, to sway that opinion. Yeah, I mean, at least you know it's a conversation, right? It's not it's not yeah. like Woods is comfortably ahead of some of these guys at this point. No, he's certainly not, and it, it pains me to say so because because Woods Woods is my guy. Yeah, what about like um, if you need running back help, Miles Gaskin or Woods? Yes, yeah, Miles Gaskin. Yes, the answer is just about always going to be a starting running back. Okay, all right, gotcha. James Robinson, boom, do it. Oh, I don't know about that one. I think I'm sticking with Woods there, but anyway, uh, the, there, it's there's not... only like 15 reasonably good running backs out there, man. Yeah, but I mean, Robinson did okay against Arizona in probably the only game where they're gonna potentially play with a lead for the rest of the year. I, I just I... yeah, and Woods has done nothing in three weeks. Mm, fair enough. I'm I'm still taking I'm still taking Woods there, but uh... I hope you're what I hope you're right. I hope you're right. All right, not a uh, last one, last one. Nine lines. Yeah. No, Bob Woods. Okay. All right. All that said, uh, who are you taking here? The Rams. Yeah, uh, I, I think the Rams look like they could be the number one seed in the NFC. I think they just beat the uh, the uh, the preseason number one seed in the NFC. So I think they uh, they just showed us that they are just that. Yeah, I, I think part of that was injuries, you know, missing Antonio Brown and JPP, and then they lost their cornerback to in-game. But still, uh, they, they are a force to be reckoned with, and I will take them at home as well. All right. Seattle at San Francisco. Oh, I guess that whole uh, division's playing itself this week, huh? Seattle at San Francisco. Uh, hopefully Lockett is going to be okay heading into this week. Um, I did not see any uh, updates yet. He's a very important cog in this wheel. The San Fran defense doesn't scare me off of Russ, DK, Lockett if he's healthy, or Chris Carson. If Lockett's out, there's going to be a mix of production from Travis Homer, Hart, and the tight ends. I'm not rushing to the waiver wire for any of them. I, 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 wish, I wish Everett had been showing us more so far this year, but he really isn't yet. Yeah, I think the rookie D. Eskridge, someone to keep an eye on uh, if anything were to happen to Woods, or excuse me, not Woods, uh, Lockett or Metcalf. Um, he's been out with a concussion, but just uh, he's he's probably a big playmaker there, maybe Swain, but it does sound like Lockett is probable for right now. Uh, he was able to finish out that game against Seattle, so right. right now no concerns, but keep an eye on him. And for San Fran, uh, I think it's just Kittle and Debo for now still. Uh... I don't know what to do with this team really, Mung, so I, I'm doing my best to avoid it. <laughs> You're our 49ers expert. Uh, I think I do think Elijah Mitchell gets the job back when he's healthy. Sermon really didn't look great. No, nobody other than those uh, other than uh, you know Kittle and Debo really looked great. Ayuk I, did have a touchdown, but yeah, not, not uh, certainly not a flattering output. Yeah, I will say that Sermon didn't look super explosive, but at the same time, you know, he was, hitting, he was getting hit behind the line quite a bit, so, uh, you know, not a whole lot. Uh, just, I think Green Bay's defense played better than expected. That offensive line wasn't quite as good as we expected. And really what this offense needs is is a injection of Trey Lance uh, to boost the whole thing, I think. But uh, we'll see when that comes. Uh, I, I've gotten some questions about whether Lance is droppable in one quarterback formats. And the answer to that is yes. If you, if you need help now, if you need wins now, um, you know, don't worry about those bench stashes, but I, I do think that his time is coming sooner rather than later. 
Um, so it, again, it all, a lot of these ad drop questions are going to depend on your particular team needs and then your team record uh, through three weeks. But I, I do think it's encouraging what we saw from Ayuk. Got a lot more snaps in week three. I do think that he's uh, going to be more involved going forward. So still, still a risky wide receiver or three slash flex play, but I do like the matchup against Seattle here. So I think you can start both Tebow uh, and Ayuk this week. They're certainly going to have to throw the football. So fair point. Uh, give me Seattle on the road. Oh, uh, and real quick, uh, you know, if if you're deciding between Mitchell and Sermon, uh, via Condios, but I, I do agree if both are active, I would lean Mitchell, but I don't think either one of them is more than a, an iffy flex when both of them are healthy right now until we see that, you know, the workload kind of even out. Uh, and, yeah, I, I just have very little faith in Garoppolo. He almost led a, a game-winning touchdown only to be Wally Pipped by Aaron Rodgers, of course, with 37 seconds. And, you know, Russell Wilson is very much the same kind of guy where you don't want to give him that kind of time. And I will take Seattle on the road. All right, Baltimore at Denver. The three, not one, not two, but three drop touchdowns from Marquise Brown really shifted this offense's output this week. Uh, Baltimore clearly had found something in Detroit's defense that pushed those opportunities his way. Um, they completely got away from... Uh, leaning into Tyson Williams and he gave you practically nothing um, against Denver. This is going to be a tough week for the wide receivers. I think Baltimore gets back to their 30 plus rushes this week. So I, with that split, that three headed workload, that three headed uh, monster that, that people are afraid of with Devante Freeman back there. I do think that Tyson Williams is still playable, but I wouldn't touch Latavius or, uh, or Devante. Uh, Mark Andrews is frustrating, but he was solid this week at least. So you can hang your head on that, I guess. Um, and if, if you're if you're looking to get real excited about Marquise Brown, just just remember Rashad Bateman is not too far away from returning. Yeah, that man, Baltimore is such a weird team where we, we knew coming in, they had guys on the COVID list and with injuries on the defensive side. Right. We understand why the defense really struggled against the Lions, but there was really no reason for the offense to struggle as much as it did. A lot of it did come because of the Marquise Brown drops, but just overall that offense looked very sluggish. This is such a such a Jekyll and Hyde team after beating Kansas City, um, and and almost they should have lost to Detroit with that missed uh, delay of game penalty. Um, Justin Tucker, of course, clutches always, but uh, yeah, I mean you're still starting. I don't love Lamar this week. I'll say that much. I think Vic Fangio, um, they already interviewed him. He talked about Lamar, so he's going to make it a point of emphasis not to let him run all over him, force him to you know beat them passing. And I've got him as a back-end QB1 this week. I really don't love Lamar this week. That sounds like a big Mark Andrews week to me. On the Denver side of the football, uh, the Baltimore defense certainly has not been as advertised this year. So if you have any confidence, confidence in any of the players, I would I, I would not uh, let the matchup sway you one way or another. Gordon and Williams are fine flexes. Sutton and, and uh, Tim Patrick continue to lead the team in looks. Sutton's a back-end wide receiver, too, this week, and Patrick's a deeper cut flex play right now. Uh, notably, this game, Fant saw surprisingly few targets. Uh, I was expecting a little more than that. Um, but uh, that that could just be what we end up seeing with the uh, with the tight end usage, considering how many times Denver likes to run the football. 
Yeah, I'm not too worried about Fant, uh, even after Baltimore shut down Hawkinson. Clearly, they made an emphasis to take him away because they know that Detroit had no one else. But, uh, you know, right. they can't really afford to do that with Sutton and Tim Patrick on the outside here. Uh, I, I do like Tim Patrick. We're going to talk about, about him on the waiver section, um, especially with KJ Hamler out with ACL. I do think he's going to be very much viable. Uh, and then he'll still be the number three even once Judy's back. So definitely somebody to take a look at. But again, so many good wide receiver options on the waiver wire. A lot of these are going to be matchup-based. Uh, and yeah, I don't know that I have all that much more. All right. Even though uh, they just almost lost to Detroit, I, I, I think that uh, the numbers do not tell the tale of that game. They were, you know, two butterfingers plays away from really beating Detroit by double digits. I think Baltimore is going to handle Denver. Um, not, not, you know, not by double digits or anything, but I, I, I do think they come in and win this game. I am taking Denver here. Um, now, I, I think they're going to get you know, the Ravens are going to get their defensive starters back from the COVID list. And I, I think that the offense is going to look a little bit better without those Brown drops. But Vic Fangio has been really good at just kind of taking away the offensive game plan. Uh, we saw him have very much success, uh, you know, very successful defensive game plans when he was with the Bears in Chicago. Um, Teddy Bridgewater has been not lights out or anything, but he's just been avoiding turnovers, which kind of is just enough with this defense. And with this game being at Denver, I, maybe I'll look stupid in a few days, but I think this is going to be a close one, and, and I'm leaning the home team here. No, I, the the AFC West has been the class of the conference. Uh, you, you may be onto something. Hopefully I don't drop another game to you. Pittsburgh at Green Bay. Uh, it is hard to project for Pittsburgh before knowing the injury status of all the players, but Green Bay's defense does provide plenty of upside. Um, this could be a good target game to score some cheap wide receivers like James Washington, Ray Ray McLeod, something like that. Uh, Najee Harris saw 19 ta targets and Chase Claypool saw 15 targets with all the injuries. Um, Ray Ray could be a possible target for you what's your what's your lean between uh, ray ray and james washington if uh if juju and deontay can't go uh i mean ideally you're not relying on either of these guys um i i am a little bit concerned about claypool if both juju and deontay are out because he could then potentially get shadow treatment from jair alexander sure. so that's something to consider sure. I, I don't know that he's automatically going to be like some blow up play um because alexander doesn't always shadow but when you take away those other two guys and and you know it's clearly claypool that you have to worry about the most right uh yeah it is so I think Washington is just a better player, so I would lean him if you're super desperate over McLeod. But although that's a very cool name, I will say McLeod. It certainly is. Certainly is um, like Fox. And, yeah, and I think, for Green. Uh, and oh. I think Fryermuth is interesting too. Um, didn't see a ton of snaps, but he did get some red zone work. So uh, I think he scored a touchdown. Yeah, so I think he's a good dart throw if both of those wide receivers are out. But clearly Harris is the the prime beneficiary of this with Ben just no longer being able to get the ball out downfield. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, leading all players, not just running backs, but all players in targets this week. Yeah, Ben, Alex Smith, Roethlisberger. <laughs> 
Wow, boy. All right, for the Packers, uh, the Pitt defense does not move me off of Rodgers, Jones, or Adams. I, I guess just make sure in the coming days that no, there was nothing more to that possible injury to Devontae Adams during the game. Um, Tunyon saw just one target, continues to circle that tight end toilet bowl. Yeah, uh, I'm an, I'm not a doctor, so I'll believe Devontae Adams when he said he just had to catch his breath. It was a chest injury. Uh, you know, the, the independent... The doctor who checked him out is from the San Francisco area, so he has nothing to gain by, you know, throwing him back in there quickly. So, <laughs> but, you know, all that being said, yeah, you're starting uh, – just keep an eye on Jones, too. It seemed like Dylan got some more work because he was working – getting his leg – Jones was getting his leg worked on on the sideline or something, but he looked fine overall, so no, no major concerns here. I'm going to take Green Bay. Yeah, I, I think uh, it's going to be a long bus ride home to the retirement community for Big Ben. <laughs> oh, gosh. Lay off the poor guy. Uh, Sunday night football, Tampa Bay at New Orleans retirement. We were talking about the retirement home for Big Ben, but not for Tom Brady. How amazing is that? The Tom Brady revenge game is here. I, I don't see this one being close. Start all of your Tampa options. Gronk, Godwin, Evans, Brown is probably going to be back. Um, the game script was lopsided early. Pardon me. <laughs> Sorry about that. Lopsided early versus the Rams. And Giovanni Bernard was utilized to the tune of 10 targets and a receiving touchdown compared to seven opportunities for Fournette and just five for Ronald Jones. Uh, the backfield is likely going to be a mess now that Bernard is here and playing. Uh, I think he's the best play of the three, regardless of what the game script is. I think it's going to be very much game script dependent. Uh, so worth noting that Bernard did hyperextend his knee on that touchdown play. Um, so something to monitor here obviously would help Jones and Fournette if he's out for this week. But, you know, you still don't want to be starting those two guys regardless. Um, worth checking on Gronk, too, just in case. He was able to finish out the game. It probably like bruised ribs and more of a pain tolerance issue. So I would think he's uh, ready for this week, especially going back to uh, New England here. Um, but just worth checking on his practice status later this week, just in case. And Man, I, I just I'm just really excited for this as a football game outside of fantasy. Obviously, like you said, you're starting all the all the wide receivers, assuming Brown is back from the COVID list too. Uh, again, he is vaccinated. Uh, that's been confirmed, so he is expected to be back, assuming this isn't a severe case. Um, but yeah, it just storyline wise, you know, the 68 yards they need uh, or Brady needs to uh, you know break that all-time passing record and. Like, you just have that gut feeling, right, that it's going to be, like, a 69-yard touchdown to Gronk or, you know, something like that. It, like, Absolutely. For, like, first play of the game, somehow. Or, or First like, pass of the game. They're going to rush it until they're at the 31, and then they're going to make a, you know, bomb uh, Gronk uh, pass for a touchdown. Yeah, or, like, he throws for, like, 40 yards, 50 yards, and then, like, you just know that, like, he knows that in the back of his head, whether consciously or subconsciously. And it's going to be like a 20 yard touchdown to Gronk for that record. Like it's going to be something like that. Yep. Absolutely. And, and yeah, Gronk's, I mean, the, the, Gronk could be missing a limb. He's not going to miss this game. <laughs> well, well put on the new England side of things. Uh, Things did not really go as planned for new England. The new Orleans defense is good. They got after the rookie led team. 
Damon Harris saw just six carries and two targets as J.J. Nelson and Brandon Bolden, remember that name, combined for 10 opportunities. And this was with James White injured and Stevenson inactive from the game. So just when we finally thought we could use some New England running backs, uh, that's where we go. Plenty of targets went to wide receivers and tight ends, but I'm not buying into any of them right now. If you're desperate, I, I think it would just be Jacoby Myers uh, and only in a PPR. Yeah, I like Jacoby Myers in the same way that I like Corey Davis this week. Uh, I expect them to be down in the second half, and I expect him to get targeted a lot. I mean, he saw a career high, or at least a season high, in targets 14 after James White was out. So clearly missing his favorite checkdown option, Myers became that guy. Uh, and I, I do think Ramondre Stevenson is an interesting waiver wire option this week. Uh, Brandon Bolden did come in and fill uh, a lot of that work after White left, but you know Bolden's a special teams guy, which is why he was active. So with White out for quite some time, potentially the year, I, I do think that Stevenson uh, is probably going to step up and be that number two option as long as he doesn't you know fumble away the opportunity yet again. All right, uh, give me Tampa Bay. Yeah, I mean, man, you know Belichick's pissed after that loss to the Saints, and you know Brady's fuming yeah. after losing to the Rams. And, yeah. I, you know, th it would give me some pause because of be how good Belichick is at planning out the defensive game scripts if they had Stephon Gilmore. Um, but I just, sure. I just don't see it. I mean, New England has a good front seven, but Tampa Bay has been so good at protecting Brady with that offensive line. Uh, yeah, it just... Give me Brady. Uh, I'm not. I, yep. didn't, I didn't bench him against the Rams, and I'm not benching him against uh, the Patriots here. I just, yeah, give me Tampa Bay on the road. Certainly. All right. And Monday night football, the Las Vegas Rams at the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, David Carr has been very good. Uh, this is going to be a challenge on Monday night. This whole division has been very exciting, uh, but I'm still not excited to start any of the running backs between Drake or Barber. Barber had a great week, um, but uh, we're going to have to see how Jacobs does with his health leading into Monday. I'm thinking he should be about ready to play, but definitely have another option ready. Um, the, uh, the, the Chargers rushing defense certainly gives you plenty of opportunity to score points against. Uh, Henry Ruggs was a fine play, but I would avoid the wide receiver options here against the Chargers. Waller should have a bigger game than he did versus Miami. Yeah, and this is going to be a good barometer for the Raiders here. They, they seem to start hot quite often and then kind of trail off as the year continues, but this is their chance to say, you know, we are for real here. Um, as you said, Ruggs and Edwards, I think they're going to trade big weeks here and there, but Renfro seems to be the go-to guy for Carr. Um, he actually, I think, has the highest floor in PPR, a, a fair ceiling as well. Uh, and if you're absolutely desperate, look, my gut feel is that they rested Josh Jacobs in week three in preparation for this Monday night matchup divisional game. Um, but, you know, with it being a Monday night game, something to keep an eye on. Peyton Barber probably isn't going to have another 100-yard game in his career. But if Jacobs were to miss this game, Barber did see a ton of work against the Dolphins, including that red zone work. And this is a, a defense that Clyde Edwards-Alaire just ran for 100 yards for. So Barber, someone to keep in the back of your mind if you are desperate or in deeper leagues. And not to toot my own horn too much, but I did add Barber and start him in a deeper 14-team league this past week. And I'm pretty pleased with the results. Yeah, that, that is a pleasing result right there. Toot toot. For the Chargers, great offensive and defensive outputs uh, from the Chargers there. The Raiders are a fine matchup. Uh, 
go ahead and start Herbert Allen, Williams, Eckler without any hesitation at all. All right, Los, $1,000 question of the night. You yep. have Mike Williams in PPR right now, and a team is offering you Keenan Allen for Mike Williams straight up. Are you accepting or rejecting that trade? Start a uh, redraft? Yeah, redraft, PPR, Keenan Allen, yeah. Mike Williams. Yeah, I, I'm taking that deal. And I'm trying to, but I will try to get something on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> Always fishing for that extra penny, huh? Absolutely. Uh, no, I think I might be able to get a, a a dime seeing how good Mike Williams has been. He's a tremendous player. Don't get, don't hear what I'm not saying. Mike Williams is phenomenal. I've been waiting every year for him to do this sort of stuff. Um, he's, he's going to leap over somebody and, and he, I mean, I, I never wish this on anybody, but it's just his play style. He is going to miss time. I, I wish it weren't the case, but you know, him and Chase Claypool are going to have very similar, similar injury outputs over the course of their careers. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. Um, and worth noting too, Keenan Allen's seen um, 33 targets in three games to Mike Williams, 31. So certainly Allen is not slacking. He's doing perfectly fine as well in PPR. And as you said, uh, you know, it, it's it's worth noting that Mike Williams is finally getting those shorter slant routes and he's not just being yep. targeted downfield on those hospital balls that he used to get from Phillip Rivers. So that should definitely help him. Um, I, I think you're holding, you're not selling Mike Williams. Uh, I do think this is for real, but I do agree that I would still slightly prefer Keenan Allen. All right, cool. Uh, give me the Chargers at home. Yeah, this is uh, another one that I, I would definitely, definitely stay away from for like survivor leagues and such, but I do lean the Chargers at home. If it were in Las Vegas, I might lean the Raiders. Yeah. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong there. All right, real quick, uh, we mentioned it just a few minutes ago, but worth noting, Antonio Brown is still currently on the COVID list, but it is confirmed that he's vaccinated and he is expected to be back for week four as of right now. Very good. All right, moving on to injury, actual injury news, uh, non-COVID related, starting with the quarterbacks. We've got Andy Dalton with that bone bruise. Uh, he is doubtful uh, again for week four but uh, it's worth noting that uh matt Nagy has said that everyone is in consideration for week four whether it's dalton Foles, or justin fields so uh it sounds like dalton's gonna need another week but he may get this job back when he is ready uh Nagy would be a quote machine if he was like he'd be an enjoyable quote machine if he was a good coach if he could put a good product on the field i really really enjoy him you know like you know the thing about promises they get crazy <laughs> yeah that's, just get them talking about a quarterback situation i guess that's what you need naggy quarterback situations quote machine but uh but yeah other than that it's a it's a pretty disgusting sight i have a feeling he definitely uh juggled some female friends in college and you know had some fun quotes to go around oh my goodness just just can't make up his mind, you know. But uh, all right, let, let's move on with the quarterback injuries here. We've got Tua with the bruised ribs. He's on IR. Not going to be back till week six at the earliest. Brissett is a viable QB2 option in deeper leagues or super flex formats uh, for the time being. And then you've got Terod Taylor with the hamstring strain also on IR. And it's worth noting the rookie Davis Mills looked serviceable in his first NFL start against a pretty good Panthers defense. And there's a chance that 
Taylor's curse continues. Uh, gonna lose out on his opportunity at a starting job that Mills could win this job by the time Taylor's ready to come back. So I don't think he's a must hold even in Superflex or two QB formats. For the running backs, top of the list, Christian McCaffrey, hamstring strain, doubtful for this week. It is never a good side when a player is ruled out almost immediately. Christian McCaffrey will likely need at least a week or two to recover, if not more. The silver lining is Carolina has not placed him on the IR, so it does not sound as severe as Austin Eckler's 2020 injury that kept him out for six weeks. James White with the hip injury, the IR is likely to come. This seems similar to Ryan Fitzpatrick's injury. White is likely to miss the majority of the season, if not the whole year. He may return in a few months, but he's droppable for now in most redraft formats. Giovanni Bernard with the knee injury, questionable right now. It looks like he hyperextended his knee on the garbage time touchdown late in the game. He may need a week or two to recover. Hopefully you weren't starting him outside of DFS formats or deeper leagues, but his absence could make Fournette or Jones a safer floor for a week or two. Delvin Cook with a high ankle sprain, questionable. Even though it was reported as a mild high ankle sprain, there's always concern about Cook's week three status. Um, or uh, there was always concern about Cook's week three status. Minnesota made the right choice to let him heal and still won versus Seattle. So monitor Cook's practice status, status later this week. Josh Jacobs with toe and ankle injuries, questionable right now. Check whether he's returning to practice later this week as the Raiders are not playing until Monday night. Fantasy GMs will need to make a call by Sunday morning in many cases as to whether they trust Jacobs to play against the Chargers and that rush defense. Daryl Henderson, rib cartilage injury, questionable. This is mostly a pain tolerance issue, so we will see if Henderson can practice later this week. If not, Sony Michelle is a clear running back two option versus a weak uh, Arizona rush defense this week. Elijah Mitchell with shoulder and knee injuries, questionable. Uh, we're not sure what exactly the issue is with Mitchell, but uh, the San Francisco backfield is shaping up to be a headache all year long. He's worth holding if you have the bench space, but there's a chance that this remains a messy committee for the entire season. Andrew Michael Hasty, same team. High ankle sprain out two to four weeks. As with Mitchell, the upside is there, but Hasty is droppable in shallower redress formats with Sermon there. Mitchell potentially running, returning soon, and Jeff Wilson Jr. returning around the same time that Hasty is expected to be back. And at wide receiver, of course, we have A.J. Brown with a hamstring strain as well. He is also doubtful. Again, as with McCaffrey, never a good sign to see a player ruled out almost immediately after an injury. Monitor the practice reports this week, but the early signs are not good for his week four availability. Tyler Lockett with a knee injury. He is probable. Uh, Lockett's knee got twisted around on a tackle, but he was able to eventually return to the game late against Minnesota. There's a chance that things could get worse over the course of the week, but as of right now, there is not major concern for Lockett missing this game. T. Higgins with a shoulder injury. He's questionable. Higgins was downgraded to doubtful late last week, so we'll see if he can suit up with Cincinnati playing on Thursday this week with a good matchup against Jacksonville. Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton with hamstring strains, uh, both questionable here. The Giants are just a mess right now. Uh, Slayton was a boom-bust option to begin with and can be dropped, but Shepard was looking like the most reliable receiving option for a while prior to that injury. He should be held if possible. Elijah Moore uh, with a concussion, he's questionable. And then Jameson Crowder with a groin injury, he is doubtful after aggravating that. The Jets have looked bad, and neither of these wide receivers is a must-hold. The same goes for Zach Wilson outside of deeper leagues or superflex formats with all of his wide receivers ailing right now. KJ Hamler with the ACL tear, he is out for the year. 
Uh, Hamler wasn't being started in most redraft formats anyway, but this does solidify snaps for Tim Patrick in this Denver offense, and Patrick should be more involved even once Judy returns. Juju Smith-Schuster with a rib injury, he's questionable. We'll see what the extent of the injury is. Right now, it's probably going to be another pain tolerance issue, and he's going to be 50-50 to play in Week 4. Deontay Johnson with a knee injury, he is questionable. The early reports from last week was that this was a fairly minor knee injury that won't keep him out for more than a week or two, so he is uh, potentially going to be back this week, but monitor that practice status later. Jarvis Landry with an MCL sprain, he's questionable. Sounds like he might miss another week or so, but not too long. Again, another minor injury at the time of the reporting, so monitor Landry's practice status later this week. And then finally, a couple guys currently on IR. We've got Rashad Bateman with a groin strain. Uh, he is expected back in week five or six. The Baltimore offense struggled against the Lions, and Bateman could be the shot of life that they need here. He's a wide receiver to potentially add on the watch list or add on your bench in deeper leagues before he returns. And Michael Gallup, we're seeing the Cowboys playing tonight, doing pretty well without him. But still, uh, he is expected back in week five or six from that calf injury. And like Bateman, Gallup is a free agent that you might want to pick up preemptively uh, if you need wide receiver help right now in your league. <clears throat> Just a couple of tight ends. Robert Gronkowski with the rib injury, probably to go. Gronk took that shot to the ribs, but was able to return and finish out the game versus the Rams. He should be fine for a week four homecoming to New England, but uh, monitor his status later this week just in case. And Anthony Ferkser, Tennessee, knee injury, questionable. Ferkser didn't see much usage week one anyway, but tight end is so barren that he's Worth a look with Tennessee's offense perking up and the loss of A.J. Brown to his hamstring injury for now. Yeah, and real quick, uh, just literally while you were reading that, uh, got a couple updates. Uh, first on Gronk, uh, <laughs> the x-rays were negative, so he is likely Great. to play Sunday night, so fire him up. And then uh, Giovanni Bernard, uh, apparently a slight MCL sprain. Um, he mm. is questionable, but it sounds like he's just day-to-day, -day, so might only miss one week if that. Yeah. Well, that's good. I would definitely rest him this week. Yep. So moving on to the waiver wire ads, kicking it off with the quarterback position. We're back to Taylor Heineke, who we talked about two weeks ago. <laughs> uh, he looked competent against the tough Bills defense on the road. He now has two straight weeks of over 20 fantasy points, uh, and now he'll get a beatable Atlanta secondary up next. Sam Darnold, uh, even though he struggled a little bit immediately after losing Christian McCaffrey, he pulled it together in the second half against the Texans. He has a fairly high fantasy floor. And this week four matchup, we're seeing uh, Dallas uh, taking it to Philadelphia right now, could turn into a shootout with high-scoring performances for both quarterbacks. Baker Mayfield, uh, he's yet to throw for multiple touchdowns in a game this year, but that could change this week in a projected high-scoring affair against Minnesota, especially with Beckham getting... Uh, in his second game back, getting his legs under him and potentially Jarvis Landry back as well. And finally, Zach Wilson, like we said, if you're desperate, Wilson and the Jets have looked completely overmatched, but the Titans defense has forced just one turnover through three weeks. So there's a potential get right game here for Wilson and the Jets offense. And for the running backs, Chuba Hubbard, uh, don't blow a ton of fab on Hubbard as McCaffrey is only expected to miss a couple weeks. That said, Hubbard was the clear lead back after McCaffrey left the game versus Houston and should be a serviceable running back too in fantasy for the duration of McCaffrey's absence. Already five targets that first game. 
Alexander Madison. Madison was added in many leagues last week, but is still fairly widely available. If Cook were to miss another game versus Cleveland, Madison would again be a viable replacement. Zach Moss, Buffalo's backfield is going to be a headache as it was last year, but Moss looked good against a tough Washington front seven week three and showed he at least has decent fantasy ceiling as a running back three or flex play, even if he's inconsistent. Sony Michelle. Michelle was the workhorse versus Tampa Bay with Henderson out. He'll be a strong running back two option versus Arizona this week if Henderson were to miss another game. And he could play well enough to force more of a committee even once Henderson returns. Cordero Patterson. As we discussed last week, Patterson is getting more of the receiving work and red zone work in this Atlanta backfield split with Davis. He should be rostered as a borderline running back two going forward in PPR leagues. Peyton Barber, don't expect another 100-yard game from Barber, even if Josh Jacobs were to miss this week, but the ceiling is there. Barber is a viable flex play for deeper leagues considering his involvement and goal line work. Kenneth Gainwell, we're going to see how tonight's game goes, but Gainwell has been the clear number two running back in Philadelphia through two weeks. He has pass catching upside as a PPR flex and with running back two upside, if uh, would have running back two upside if Sanders were to miss any time. Ramondre Stevenson and Brandon Bolden with James White out for a while and potentially the season New England will continue to be a messy committee with Harris taking much of the early down work Bolden is useful on special teams and filled in for White after his injury versus New Orleans but Stevenson could potentially assume that number two role this coming week and going forward both are risky starts but have upside and Giovanni Bernard in a game where Tampa Bay trailed and abandoned the run Bernard was a PPR machine he may miss uh, likely this week, possibly two due to the MCL, and it'll still be a messy committee once he returns, but there's a chance that he could earn more and more snaps going forward as the most reliable pass-catching back on this team. And at wide receiver, of course, we're starting it off with Cole Beasley. Look, I've talked about <laughs> Beasley every week since the preseason. I'm not going to keep tooting this horn, but you know, not to sound like a broken record, he needs to be rostered in more leagues. He's got a good matchup against a rough-looking Texans secondary this week and then potential shootout game scripts against Kansas City and Tennessee after that. Jalen Waddell, uh, he was hyper-targeted on short routes by Brissett against the Raiders, and this trend could continue as Brissett looks to get the ball out quickly behind a poor Dolphins offensive line. Waddle's a solid PPR flex option for the time being. And then his teammate, Will Fuller. Fuller looks to be the more boomer bust option of the Dolphins wide receivers, but he and Brissett barely missed on a couple of deep shots against the Raiders on Sunday. Another week of practice could lead to a big player too this coming week. Tim Patrick with KJ Hamler out for the year with a torn ACL and Jerry Judy still on IR with a high ankle sprain. Patrick remains a viable flex option as the number two wide receiver in this Broncos offense and facing a Baltimore team with plenty of injuries on defense. Christian Kirk, who we talked about as well, we mentioned more as our top waiver wire ad at wide receiver last week, but preached caution considering his low snap count. Kirk is still seeing plenty of snaps in the slot in this fast-paced Arizona offense. All three of Kirk, Moore, and Green are low-floor, high-ceiling plays while they split snaps, but Kirk might be the, mo the most consistent of the three. Hunter Renfro, he seems to be the Cooper Cup light as the go-to wide receiver in Las Vegas. He's a low-ceiling, high-floor flex play in PPR formats for now. Jacoby Myers, uh, much in the same way with James White injured and New England trailing against New Orleans. Myers saw a career-high 14 targets in Week 3. With White gone as a preferred checkdown option, Myers could again see high target volume if the Patriots fall behind early to the Bucks this coming Sunday night. 
And finally, Manuel Sanders, who we talked about as well. Beasley is the higher volume option with a safer floor, but Sanders does have a similar ceiling as the downfield threat and a go-to red zone target for Allen. Sanders and Dawson Knox are probably going to alternate big games depending on who the touchdowns go to each week, but still, he's a boomer bust wide receiver four option. All right, tight end free agents, Mike Kosicki. Top of the list, Jacoby Brissett is targeting the tight end far more than Tua was, and he is a viable volume option for as long as Brissett is under center. If you need help, Gasicki is the ad this week. In New England, Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith, both New England tight ends, saw t- six targets in the loss to New Orleans, and both could see volume again if the Patriots fall behind to the Bucks this week. Dawson Knox. Knox has seen a larger role with about 80% of the snaps over the past couple of games. As a big red zone target, he's got a better shot than most tight ends to score if he continues seeing this kind of usage in Buffalo's pass-heavy offense. Pat Fryermuth. The rookie tight end looks to be taking on a bigger role, including some red zone work, but it's hard to trust him just yet. He had a nice day due to the touchdown, but still played on just 36% of the snaps for Cincinnati. He's a touchdown-dependent tight end two option, but there's upside with Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster, both questionable for this week's game versus Green Bay, who have struggled to defend against tight ends thus far. And Dan Arnold, as part of the package sent to Jacksonville in the C.J. Henderson trade, Anderson may need a week or two just to get up to speed, but there's a path to fantasy relevance with PPR volume with Jacksonville expected to trail in just about every game this year. And for your streaming defense options, we've got the Saints this week who flummoxed Mac Jones on the road on Sunday. Now they're going to host Daniel Jones behind a poor Giants offensive line and potentially missing two starting wide receivers in Shepard and Slate. They've logged at least two sacks and one turnover in each game uh, of the first three weeks, and they're going to continue to look that. Excuse me, they're going to look to continue that streak this week. Miami, the Dolphins managed to sack Derek Carr three times in a close overtime loss on Sunday, and they're going to look to do the same to Carson Wentz, who's been under constant pressure to start the season, and going to be without Quentin Nelson this week after he suffered a high ankle sprain in Week Three. Cincinnati, the Bengals have recorded at least three sacks in each of their first three games, and Trevor Lawrence has thrown multiple interceptions in each of his first three games. Keep using Cincinnati if you picked them up against Pittsburgh last week for this Thursday night showdown. And finally, Green Bay, Ben Roethlisberger looks ready to sip some mojitos on a beach somewhere, and he could be without two of his starting wide receivers this week. The Packers could get after the veteran quarterback for a second straight game of multiple sacks after they harassed Jimmy Garoppolo all night in week three. So we're still early in the season, but lots and lots going on already. A lot of moving pieces here. Uh, As always, if you guys have more specific questions regarding your team or league, we're happy to answer your questions on Twitter. You can find me at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. And you can find me at FFA underscore Los, that's L-O-S. You can find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. Wherever you're listening, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any of our upcoming podcast episodes. It's a fantasy world, and we're all just addicts in it. Thanks, addicts. The first person to survive Alzheimer's disease is out there, and the Alzheimer's Association is going to make it happen. But we won't get there without you. Visit ALZ.org to join the fight.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Hey, Mike, what are you doing way up on that ladder? You're going to hurt yourself. Oh, I'm trying to unclog these gutters. That's smart. I had water damage from my gutters last year. It cost me 10 grand. Yeah, wait, $10,000? Yeah, and from over here, it looks like water's been pouring over your clogged gutters, and it's probably doing real damage to your foundation. You need to do what I did. Get off the ladder and call Leaf Filter. Yeah, but I need to get these gutters flowing now. That's why you need to call Leaf Filter. They'll clean and realign your gutters and install their exclusive micro-mesh screen system so nothing gets in your gutters except water. So Leaf Filter protects my house from damage and means no more gutter cleaning for me? Bingo! Plus Leaf Filter has an industry-leading lifetime warranty, so your gutters are covered for life. Thanks, Frank. I'm calling Leaf Filter today. Don't go another day with your home unprotected. Call 1-844-300-LEAF or go to tryleaffilter.com for your free gutter inspection. Call 1-844-300-LEAF or go to tryleaffilter.com right now for an extra 15% savings. Call 1-844-300-LEAF or go to tryleaffilter.com. That's 1-844-300-LEAF. Leaf. This summer, enjoy a Plymouth gin and tonic. Just add tonic, ice, and a slice of orange for the perfect cocktail every time. Plymouth gin is distilled using a blend of seven hand-selected botanicals, including juniper berry, coriander seed, and citrus peel. Since 1793, Plymouth gin has been making gin in England's oldest working gin distillery using copper pot stills, always staying true to Plymouth's original recipe. This is what makes Plymouth gin sought after across the world.